the Business Buzz Podcast. You're tuned in to the Business Buzz. Good evening and welcome. This is the Business Buzz right here on VOW FM 88.1. My name is Mdiwa Mob Justice Gavaza, and it means that it's time for us to give you the Business Buzz for this week. The time has just gone by 6 p.m., and we're going to be in studio until about 7 p.m. So definitely make sure you don't turn that down and you stick with us through the show. We're broadcasting live right here from our studios here in Bromfontein, and we're going to be having a jam-packed show for you as we talk today about cashless societies do we still need cash um what is this cash thing really about as a means of exchange what is the future of cash is it really possible for us to move into a fully digital transacting environment? These are some of the issues and concerns that we're going to be dealing with. So definitely make sure you keep it locked with us. If I can just uh, touch on some research, some very interesting research um, that's actually come out, uh, which actually says that uh, on social media, about uh, people are spending on average 30% of their time on their smartphones using social media apps such as your Facebook and uh, a lot of people have now started providing financial services on social media and leveraging that huge um, that huge network of clients uh, in in what has become a bit of a, an attractive strategy. If we look at uh, countries like China, for example, and you look at WeChat Pay as an example of uh, uh, what we call a super app, uh, they work uh, works like physical wallet where people actually carry a digital balance through their WeChat app. You'll definitely remember, you know WeChat because that's what you vote for idols with. It's one of the platforms that's used uh, quite a bit there. And it facilitates peer-to-peer money transfers, prepaid electricity and mobile uh, phone credit purchases as well as in-store payments at participating merchants. So if I could use an example of WhatsApp uh, to illustrate what's going on with WeChat is that uh, the guys, the developers of WeChat have built in a lot of payment capability into platforms like WeChat which is like WhatsApp and you can do all the things that I've just mentioned and they're moving more and more to a cashless society where all you have to do is carry your phone and your life will be fine. You can transact out there in the world. So these are the things that we're going to be talking about today on the show. Uh, We're going to be talking to a young man who comes from a country where uh, cash is an issue and people have had to move uh, to a digital uh, type of economy. We're going to be talking to an analyst uh, from one of the major four banks about how they're using technology uh, to move into a cashless environment. And we're also going to be uh, looking at a company that's into uh, financial services through technology. Uh, so that's it on that end. Remember that you can keep in touch with us on social media. We are Vow FM, that's Voice of Vits, and we also have our own Facebook page, that's The Business Bus. On Twitter, we're at VowFM. Our hashtag is hashtag businessbus. And you can WhatsApp us. That's 0840784912. You can also stream the station live. That's VowFM.co.za. And remember that podcasts of the show are available on vits.journalism.co.za. Make sure you keep it locked until 7 p.m. right here on VowFM 88.1. More justice on the business bus. It's time for us to get into the business wrap. That's the part of the show where we give you highlights into the world of business and economics in terms of the news headlines that have been piquing our interest in the last week. And on the line, we have one of our financial experts, that's Desiree Ragabir, who is from uh, BDO Wealth Advisors. She is a financial planner. How are you, Des? Hi, good evening, Mudiwa. I'm well. How are you? I'm fine, thank you. Uh, now, I understand that uh, there's been uh, quite a bit of news this week. I think we, if we start off with what's going on with Stats SA talking to us a little bit about inflation. Yes, uh, Stats SA released their the year-on-year inflation on Tuesday, and that was uh, less than what was expected. So the, they, they released the rate at 4%. So that's for the year, ending Feb. And we were expecting in, in the mid uh, 4.2, 4.5%, but it has reduced further to 4%. I think last year around April when I spoke to you, the official CPI inflation rate was 5%. And so almost ha- a year later, we had 4 Have they cited any reasons for this possible decrease? 
Um, you know, I think there's, there's a number of, of factors that uh, influence that. But it's, it's quite welcomed because this is the lowest inflation rate since uh, December 2015. Um, and, and with this lowering of, of the inflation rate, it's the, the inflation idealist, um, the MPC or, or the Reserve Bank, tries to keep that range between 6%. So over the last few years, we were on the higher end, uh, reaching up to 6 and I think we went over 6%. And now it's, it's decreasing, so that's welcomed. And with that, we may even find that with, with the lowering inf- uh, inflation rate, we'll find that our interest rates will start, or the Reserve Bank will start looking at cutting uh, interest rates going forward. And then I understand, uh, moving on from this, that there's been that one of the issues that's been making headlines over the last year, uh, which has to do with uh, South Africa's credit rating, um, could be under review um, with Moody's. Is that true? Yes. So um, the one credit rating agency, uh, Moody's, will has been reviewing um, South Africa's credit rating and tomorrow they will release whether, you know, we are downgraded or we're still under review, uh, ongoing review. And I think this has been in the news uh, quite often. I think we've discussed it quite a few times. And for this week, we've seen the RAND also adjust accordingly for, for the news. But speaking to a few economists this week and uh, financial other financial experts, you know, they seem to think that we are going to avoid uh, a rating downgrade. So therefore, we found that the rand has firmed to the dollar since earlier on this week. And then in terms of that, uh, since the, a lot of the financial experts are expecting that we won't be downgraded this time around, is there any realistic expectation that we might be upgraded? No, I think that's too, <laughs> too, that's too soon to say. Um, I think for now, you know, uh, our, our new finance minister, Anand Shanene, was in, was in London and he met uh, with a few of the analysts there, the senior analysts, and he set out a plan or, or he was discussing with them how we're actually going to improve growth uh, in, in SA as well as cut our spending. And that was earlier this month. So I think for now they're going to look at uh, what's happening, the the dif- you know the in, in the political space, in the economic economic space, and uh, I don't see uh, you know them increasing, sending us a notch up. We'll probably remain at the same level. Currently we one notch above uh, junk status. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah. And then I think one of the biggest issues, since we're already talking about how South Africa is perceived on the international market, um, this week a lot of African leaders were signing uh, the new Africa Continental Free Trade Agreement. Um, is this something that South Africa should be party to and uh, would it really be beneficial as um, the President Sir Ramaphosa has been saying uh, over the last couple of days? Yeah, so South Africa, um, he has signed that, our president has signed that, and I think that's still going to be confirmed. All the different countries have to confirm the final uh, agreement. But I see it as being very positive. So the Africa Continental Free Trade Agreement looks to or aims to to create a single market for goods and services um, in in the continent, um, allowing for free movement of um, business, business persons, investments. So I think it, it's, it, it's positive. I think it's also going to look to resolve certain challenges that, that we face um, in, in dealing with other African countries. And, um, you know, I think, I think dealing with, with other African countries is just going to prioritize uh, production in Africa. So we're going to look to Africa to get products or services that we would normally get elsewhere in the world. And that means that, you know, it's going to uh, be prosperous for all Africans. So I see it as as being positive. Um, There's... 
um, you are talking about the fact that this could be a positive move for South Africa, but in terms of the markets, is this something that the markets are actually looking looking to as an indicator of possible economic growth, or is it something that the markets will only react to once it's been ratified, as you were talking to earlier, that um, uh, that the president still needs to come back to South Africa and have um, the treaty actually uh, ratified through the country's laws. Is that something that the market will only react to then, or will we start seeing reactions to that now? Um, currently, I don't think we've seen markets react to that, because markets would react to it positively uh, due to, you know, there would be removal of certain tariffs on goods and services. So markets would, would welcome that. We haven't seen that happen in, in our markets this week. Uh, I think the agreement was signed yesterday. And uh, the GSC has been flat with actually trading on negative ter- uh, territory right now. So I think once it's once a, a framework has been finalized and, and the agreement has been confirmed, then we may see markets move uh, forward and accept that. Thank you. It will be a positive uh, uh, influence on, on the market. Thank you so much. That was us talking to our financial expert, that's Desiree Regebe, who is from BDO Wealth Advisors. She is a financial planner, giving us a roundup of the week's uh, trending business and economics news. As you heard, SSA has released CPI inflation rates uh, for February, and uh, we've seen that our year-on-year inflation is now sitting at 4%, which is within the 4 to 6% um, target range. Uh, we also heard that there is a credit rate review uh, by the international rating agency Moody's that's coming in tomorrow and together with the fact that the rand is trading a bit firmer this week and that the JAC is flat at the moment. The big news in terms of economics at the moment is the fact that uh, the Africa Continental Free Trade Agreement has been signed by a number of African leaders in Rwanda this past week and we're going to see what the effects of that will be in the coming months and years. Otherwise that's it for today. Uh, Coming up on the other side of this break we're going to be getting into our Buffalo Index. Keep it locked. This is of our FM. The Business, business buzz. buzz. Our conversation continues right here on the Business Buzz as we talk about life in that very first job. Expect to be surprised. Expect things to be different. Because if you've built up expectations and you've got this picture in your mind that the work environment is going to look like this and your boss is going to be like that and your colleague's going to be like this and you arrive there and it's not that way, it can be instantly quite sort of discouraging and, and, and surprising. So I think maybe do away with the expectations a little bit and go in there with a very open mind. Tips coming through from Sheila Foster, who is the author of Your First Year of Work, The Survival Guide. Tune in to the Business Buzz every Thursday from 6 to 7 p.m. only on FM. So that's uh, that's us uh, in terms of our business wrap. It's time for us to get into our Buffalo Index. That's the part of the show where we tell you the state of your 100 rand. And as always, I'm joined in the studio by my producer, Elna Schultz. How are you, Elna? Why, hello. I'm very well. And I... I quite like this because I'm not too great with having cash on me. <laughs> I always forget. And when I have it, I feel like I spend it far too quickly. Yeah. So I'd like this digital banking life. Mm, mm, mm. And um, for us as the consumer, digital banking is usually a little bit cheaper. Yeah. It's not that much of a cost. So you can keep that 100 rand nice and safe. Yeah. But... Say you have a business or you are a small business owner and you're thinking, sure, people are going to come. They're not going to have cash. What am I going to (laughs) do? I thought I'd find out how far is your hundred bucks going to take you in terms of accepting cards in your business. So what does it take? So, um, if you want one of those normal, traditional card machines, like you get at most restaurants, most um, sort of tills, that kind of thing, it it will probably take you between two and four grand to just buy one. That little thing? Yeah. Oh, okay. (laughs) So, you you mustn't like misplace it by accident like it is a couple. And then um, you pay uh, transaction fees, but that really depends on the bank. Yeah. That's just buying it straight online. That's no like subscription with a bank. Okay. But have you heard of Yoko, Madeira? Unfortunately, I have not. (laughs) Should I? 
You should. And okay. you know what? You might have actually used it right. without realizing that that's what you were using. Yeah. So it is... Um, a keyboard about the size, a little bit smaller than a smartphone. Yeah. It looks like the keypad part of a normal cash machine. Yeah. But that's it. Nothing is attached. It's just <laughs> just the little keypad. Okay. You stick your card in there. Yeah. So I know, for instance, that my favorite donut cronut shop yeah. um, in Marvel uses this. This is the only reason I know because <laughs> they sell their donuts this way. And um, you push a card in there. And then all of the machinery, so to say, all of the software is on your phone as the oh, business owner. Okay. Your phone connects to this little keypad, and uh, that's how it works. So Yoko, is, they start at around one thousand seven hundred. So you will need seventeen one hundred rands. So <laughs> <laughs> if you have one a month, take you like I a like year that. and a half. I like that. <laughs> and then you are just like with the banks, you are paying. Two to three percent um, of whatever you're making, you're actually paying yeah. to the card machine. But say, say you come to me and you say, Elna, I don't even have one thousand seven hundred rand. Like I, I do not have that much capital. I am just selling my beautiful, like hand embroidered jeans at the market. What am I going to do? Yeah, there is an even cheaper option. Yeah. Have you used SnapScan? Okay, I know about SnapScan. Yeah, yeah, yes. you're back. You're back on, <laughs> on trend. I'm in 2018 now. <laughs> so, um, SnapScan is really great from the business owner side yeah. because you do not pay much at all. It's okay. 250 bucks. Yeah. To uh, to start uh, and sign up, okay. which means your hundred bucks will get you, yeah, just under uh, halfway there, like forty percent. Yeah, yeah, you're almost there. Um, and then you do again have to pay three percent of all the transactions. Yeah. So it's great for you if um, you know maybe you move around a lot, maybe it's um, you know something small. So um, and especially if you have very recurring customers I think the problem with SnapScan is if you have a lot of once-off customers yeah. like at a market if I'm selling jewelry at a market and I, you have a card machine but I only have SnapScan and mm. I require you to download the app mm. a lot of people aren't willing to do guess whose jewelry they're going to buy the other person yeah. there we go so I think it's the cheapest and if you can get people to use SnapScan you have them on your side and I think the place where I've seen this work best is in recurring customers. Yeah. So, for instance, my church, if you want to buy a really nice cup of coffee, it's SnapScan. Mm. And obviously, those are recurring customers. So, they're coming every week to buy a coffee at church. So, they probably will download it. Whereas at a market, probably not. Okay. So, those are some of the options <laughs> in terms of card payments. If you only have a hundred bucks, you're not quite there, but you do have some options. Yeah, yeah. So that's our Buffalo Index for today, telling us uh, the state of your 100 rand. If you want to be a part of the digital economy and have one of those uh, card machines at your office, you need 17,100 100 rand notes uh, to be doing the things. Uh, but otherwise, that's it in terms of our Buffalo Index for today. On the other side of this, we get into our main topic. And today we're talking about the cashless society. Keep it locked. This is the business buzz. More justice on the business buzz. Remember that you can keep in touch with us. We are Vow FM or Voice of Vids on Facebook. We have our own Facebook page as well. That's the business buzz. On Twitter, we're at Vow FM and our hashtag is hashtag business buzz. Right now, it's time for us to get into our main topic for today. And today we are talking about the cashless society. How far are we uh, from actually getting rid of physical cash and uh, when can we expect to realistically find ourselves in a place where we can transact on a digital basis uh, looking at some more research I spoke earlier on about how people are trying to implement the issue of a cashless society if I can use one or two other examples of how uh, people have been trying to implement this I was actually quite entertained uh, by an example that came through and it has to do with uh, the issue of uh, um, tokenization, uh, which has to do with the Internet of Things. So what the Internet of Things is, is when you have um, a smart home, like a smart fridge, a smart washing machine, and things like that. And basically the idea here is um, some researchers, some companies are, are trying to create products where you can have specific items that are 
able to make purchases without human intervention. So, for example, if your if your washing machine could be given permission, then your washing machine could keep track of how much washing powder there is in the house, and when it actually finishes the washing machine then actually makes an order online for new uh, for new washing machine to be delivered at the house and you can easily see there how there would be no cash exchanged actual physical cash that would be exchanged that entire transaction would happen digitally and these are just some of the um, things that are being spoken about another interesting one that we can look at is samsung pay and apple pay now uh, these are two big mobile payment platforms that are using um, nfc technology and that's just basically if you've ever seen those scanners they look like point of sale machines and you just touch your phone onto one of those machines and it's able to do a transaction without even the need for a card but we're now going to continue uh, talking about this cashless society. And in our first uh, in our first segment, we're going to look at it in the African context. Our producer, Elna Schutz, spoke to Farai Muronda, who is at the head of financial inclusion program at Finmark Trust. They conduct research around access to financial markets, including their FinScope survey, which looks at the use of financial services in 30 countries globally. What has your research shown in terms of financial inclusion in South Africa currently, especially especially how many people use banks? So what the research shows is that South Africa, especially when compared to other countries in the region, is doing well in terms of extending financial inclusion with regards to access to financial products. 77% of South Africans uh, have bank accounts, and the number of South Africans who are included in the financial services system um, through bank accounts or through other financial products is about 89%. So when compared to other countries in the region, we do do very well in terms of extending banking access or banking infrastructure to our population. Where we are struggling is with actual usage of financial products rather than just providing access. We have an annual survey of customers that we do across the nation, um, and that survey is telling us that more and more people, even though they own bank accounts, aren't actually using them. So the number of people with dormant bank accounts has been going up on an annual basis to the point where now it's it's at about 40% of people just use their accounts to receive, uh, whether it's a monthly salary or a monthly uh, grant payment, and then they withdraw all of that money in cash and, and spend the rest of the month not using their bank account, but rather just transacting in cash. Does that mean that South Africa is very much a cash-based country overall? Yes. When you when you look at the um, when you look at the usage of uh, formal financial services, digital payments, it does seem that there is a preference for cash in most consumer segments. Certainly, um, in the upper LSMs, digital uh, financial services, digital payments, using card-based payment systems is very popular. But as you go down to the lower LSMs, um, that phenomenon is reversed, and you start getting a dominance of cash-based transactions. And do we know why this is? There are various reasons. Um, one of them is the fact that um, a lot of our people live in areas where there really is no digital payment infrastructure for them to use. So, for example, if you take taxis in the morning to get to work, most people don't have a way of paying for their taxi outside of cash. If you buy your bread in the morning from the local spaza shop and the spaza shop um, operator doesn't have a card payment um, device, then you will have to pay in cash. If you pay rent to your landlord and your landlord does not have a bank account, then you'll have to pay rent in cash. So a lot of people live within an ecosystem that is dominated by cash, so they have no choice as to what payment methods to use. You spoke of these ecosystems of cash that are quite functional within themselves. The the consumer and the seller both agree to some extent to work in cash. People have access to cash in some way. Perhaps they get paid weekly in cash, whatever it might be. So looking at South Africa, is being a very cash-dependent society, at least on the lower LSMs, 
Is that a negative thing? Is it even something that we should want to change? I think there's certain issues that need to be addressed with regards to cash. The first, obviously, is a safety issue. Carrying cash around exposes you to safety issues with regards to, uh, you know, mugging and theft. There's also the issue of, you know, efficiency. There's this great banking infrastructure that we've built. It really is, by all measures, world-class. And the more we use it, the more efficiencies we get out of it. So the more costs around transacting start to come down. There's also, uh, you know, certainly putting my, my government hat on, moving the economy to uh, digital transactions allows the government to have a better picture of economic activity, which allows them to plan around, you know, the, the, the development of the economy a lot better. So there's various issues that need to be addressed with regards to cash. Certainly, there will always be a place for cash, cash transactions. I don't think we'll ever be a totally cashless society. But I do think there are benefits to going digital that some of our citizens um, are being denied the opportunity of, doing, of enjoying. And on a very personal consumer basis, do you know whether there is any significant difference in terms of how people are saving or budgeting or growing their money? in cash as opposed to digitally? I think the research that I've seen shows that from a behavioral standpoint, effective saving occurs when you don't have the money available to you to spend on impulse purchases, on lifestyle sort of purchases. The other issue is, you know, when you hold your money in cash, there is an opportunity cost to that because you're not earning any interest or any returns on that money that you could be earning if it was in, for example, a savings account. So, so there is an opportunity cost to holding cash. So from a personal standpoint, you know, it, it does seem that you know, the best thing to do is hold you know, whatever level of cash you need for your day-to-day transactions, but make, make sure that you are putting at least some money into a financial product that allows you to earn returns on it so that you build up your savings. You at Finmark Trust do surveys not only in South Africa but across the world. I think Finscope goes out in 30 countries globally. How does South Africa, in terms of being cash or cashless, how does it compare to other countries? It's very similar. I think South Africa benefits from the fact that we have a very well-developed, sort of world-class uh, financial services infrastructure. So I think we've got that going for us, which a lot of other countries certainly haven't, haven't got at the, at the moment. The, the challenge that we have is how do we bring a wider proportion of our society into that banking and financial services infrastructure? I think that's, that's a unique challenge that South Africa has. When you look at other countries, they may not be as well developed uh, from a financial services infrastructure standpoint, but there's not this disparity be between you know, the people who use the system and the people who are outside the system. So we, we in South Africa have a pretty unique challenge in that we, the job before us is not really to develop the, the, the system, which is pretty well developed, but it's about bringing more people into the system. From a South African standpoint, I think the closest comparators that we have are countries like Kenya, where uh, mobile money, for example, has become very popular, and they've, they've almost leapfrogged um, some of their challenges in terms of the financial services infrastructure and banking infrastructure and bank branches in some of the uh, more outlying areas by you know, using mobile money and using uh, digital financial services to, to bring uh, those sort of products to people outside of the main urban centers. Just north of our border in Zimbabwe, um, there's also been, you know, a move towards uh, a cashless society and using mobile money and, 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 and e-wallets. Of course, that's been driven by the fact that, you know, the, the system doesn't have physical cash to use for transactions. So I think that's a special case as well. You know, generally when you look at these issues, you know, each country will have its own dynamics. And, and I think the South African dynamic is more around, you know, we've got this great financial services industry how do we make sure more of our citizens benefit from it more justice on the business bars 
So we just came from giving you our interview. That was our producer, Elna Schutz, talking to Farai Muronda, who is the head of financial inclusion at Finmark Trust, just giving us some research around uh, access to financial markets. And uh, they also have their, uh, their Finscope survey, which looks at the use of financial services in more than 30 countries. A lot of insights coming through from there. I like the Kenyan and Zimbabwean example that he gave at the end uh, to say that some of the time... Uh, when you find people engaging in a cashless society, it's not because they're looking for advancement or anything like that. It's out of necessity. Um, but otherwise, we're going to now move on um, to how uh, established uh, financial institutions in the country are using uh, fintech uh, to actually get us to a place where we have to use less and less physical cash. On the line, we are joined by Dr. Sietharam, who is the head of analytics with FNB Business, and we're going to be talking about NFC and the evolution of fintech. His department provides analytic support to various areas in uh, in the FNB business. And then if you uh, don't understand fully what fintech is, it's just basically the use of technology to provide financial services, uh, to offer a seamless solution uh, where, uh, where consumers can use apps to transact and exchange. How are you, doctor? I'm well. How are you doing? I'm fine, thank you. Um, I think just as a as a point of departure, would you say that currently in South Africa, people actually know about uh, technology such as NFC? And from your experience as a bank, have people been making use of these technologies on an extensive basis? Uh, I think people do know about it, but they may not know the actual terminology or the actual uh, details behind what they are doing. So so something might come up which says um, you're able to go and tap your card on a device and uh, not enter in your PIN. Uh, we might find that pretty cool without actually knowing what the technology is or the wording is behind it. So so I think that there is, there is adoption. Um, naturally, it will be a bit more difficult if you're talking about uh, consumers trying to adopt it or businesses trying to adopt it. That we have seen uh, quite a, a very nice reception um, to, to moving towards these cashless services. And would you say that people have been very, because you're talking about the fact that people are receptive, have there been any yeah. concerns about people um, shying away from the technology for fear of being scammed or just not being fully informed about the security of using such technologies? Yeah, so I would say initially there was there was some concern. So if we remember, I think it was um, probably the first half of last year when the cashless uh, card system came out. So where you can tap and pay with your with your debit card, or credit card. Um, there was some concerns around security issues and uh, the the amount of the of the transaction. But um, as as there was more awareness about when can you use it and where should you use it, uh, consumers are to trust it a lot more. So so we we as a bank we we're trying to move much more towards a digital age of how do we revolutionize banking? And you see a lot of the other banks are also trying to do the same thing. How do we um, cheat old school way of, of banking um, and how do we revolutionize it to, to suit what's happening out there in the digital age? So that, that's what everyone's trying to gear towards. Um, there have been some issues, as I mentioned previously, with security, but with, with any new technology, um, those are typically tested and rolled out prior um, uh, to, to, being, to being fully fully implemented. So, so yeah, um, there are going to be issues, naturally, but the, the, the receptivity of that has gotten a lot better. So people are getting more comfortable with using their app or using their cards to go and do cashless transactions. Um, our previous guest, uh, Farai, was talking about the, the Zimbabwean situation where people have sort of been forced to adopt a cashless and mobile digital lifestyle because of yes. the circumstances that are there. Do you think yes. that that's the, those are the types of environments or situations that would take South Africa to fully adopt this? Uh, because in a, in a, without such circumstances, do you think uh, the South African economy could get to such a point on its own? 
So, so I think we we pretty much already there. Hey, so if you look at um, let's, let's let's spend a bit more time on on cell phones. The fact that everyone has a cell phone, um, or, or the majority, like call it eighty percent, ninety percent of people do have a, a cell phone, is is also pretty pretty encouraging because the the way that people interact, if you're on WhatsApp or Facebook or Twitter or whatever whatever social media platform, you're doing it via a cell phone. So the, the question that that we ask is that if people are on their cell phones for for social media purposes, how do we also bring their banking to them via a cell phone, so via the app uh, or, or banking app, uh, as an example? So it's a natural evolution to go and say that the the mobile um, uh, mobile penetration in South Africa is extremely high. Um, how then do we? Um, call it or offer a, a holistic lifestyle banking solution to people that are on their cell phones. Um, so that's, that's, been, that's been the road that we're going down. Um, it's not a situation where people are forced to go into it as opposed to it's, it's the, the things are happening. And if banking doesn't keep up, then you're going to have people sitting in branches that are not really um, doing anything because customers are much more digitally savvy than we think. And then in terms of uh, actual technologies, would you say that South Africa is actually um, creating its own technologies? Is it contributing to the technology base around the world, around the issue of digital currency, uh, digital payments, mobile payments and other such platforms? Or is South Africa a technology taker and adopter of technology? So, so I'll, I'll leave the digital currency for last. I'll, I'll answer that last because <laughs> that's always a bit of a contentious, contentious one. In terms of in terms of South Africa, I would say we are uh, technology takers. So, so there was something um, called the Digital Evolution Index, um, which effectively, similar to, to like the guys at Finmark, they would uh, do a study um, to go and figure out where is a country in terms of technological ability and how much has it grown over, I think it's the past eight years. So South Africa, um, I think it's the end of 2017 or the beginning of 2017, South Africa was listed as a breakout economy, meaning our rate of digital growth um, um, in, in technology, in users adopting technology has been incredibly fast. So we are naturally not as advanced as other countries, but we are growing at an incredible rate. So, so I would say that's mainly due to us adapting uh, technologies from overseas uh, to suit our local climates. Um, a very nice example there would be with the currency situation. Um, digital currencies are something that's interesting. Um, they, they still have to be analyzed properly by banks, by the Reserve Bank, uh, by other financial institutions before it can be properly implemented. So at, at the very least, um, think of it as all banks have reward programs. Those reward programs are the basic form of a digital currency, right? So you can go anywhere and send your reward points from any, from any bank at a particular shop. Um, the difference between that and like a Bitcoin or a whatever other digital currency is that the Bitcoin is traded versus the reward program you get from your bank, you know what it's worth already. So we already have been, I guess, in a, in a very weird way doing or implementing this currency, just not to the extent or at the speed of, our, um, of, of other um, uh, developed economies. Um, we have just one more question, Doctor, and it, uh, that's in the interest of time. What are some of the challenges, and this is now coming back to what you're talking about now, what are some of the challenges that fintech startups face? Earlier on, we were talking about the issue of adoption and security, uh, but what are some of the other challenges that fintech startups face and um, how can they overcome these challenges? So, so fintech startups, even startups in general, right? They they suffer from some capital funding. So, not every startup is going to be successful, and and that that is a, a plain simple truth across any any industry. So, for a fintech startup to make it, they need to have a lot more capital invested in technology. Um, which going to to what we we're talking about previously, it's not always easy to get because technology is not is not cheap. So, so one of the challenges would be how do they have enough capital uh, to um, to raise, um, to, to buy or, or build their own technology. Another one would be adoption. Um, a lot of the, if you look now at banking, a lot of banks are coming out in, in the digital formats. There are a lot of banks emerging this year with uh, no branch infrastructure. So they are trying to go lean on their cost. Um, the challenge there is, are you going to 
with bigger players in the industry and can you survive? So the, the, the natural challenge to any sort of startup or running any business, can you compete in a tough economic environment? And something like finance institutions are extremely tough compared to, let's say, other, other industries. And number two, do you have enough money in order to either buy or develop your own technology in order to sell that as a service to your customers? Thank you so much. That was us on the line. We're talking to a Dr. Sietharam, who is the head of analytics with FNB Business, just giving us uh, a brief overview of how the landscape of fintech is looking like and how FNB is using its technologies. On the other side of this, we actually have a young man in the studio who's going to relate to us his experience of in of operating in a cashless economy. Keep it locked. This is the Business Buzz. You're tuned in to the Business Buzz. Remember that you can keep in touch with us on social media. We are Val FM, that's Voice of Viz on Facebook. We also have our own Facebook page, that's The Business Buzz. On Twitter, we're at Val FM, and then our hashtag is hashtag Business Buzz. We are talking cashless societies. We have just come from talking to Dr. Sietharam from FNB about how uh, the banks and financial institutions are making use of technology and the adoption of these technologies by the South African consumer, the South African Public. And we also had an interview earlier about uh, research around how people are actually using um, the digital currencies and also mobile and digital payment structures uh, to transact in uh, in Africa. But right now we're going to move to some something a bit different, a real-life case. We have Ngoni uh, Zashe Tutai, who is a third-year BA law student here at WITS, and he is uh, going to relate to us the Zimbabwean experience of operating in a cashless environment. How are you, Ngoni? Um, well, and you? How yeah. are you doing? I'm fine, thank you. I'm fine, thank you. Okay. So, I understand that uh, Zimbabwe is operating in a cashless environment i have to say cashless in brackets um, so, <laughs> because it's not it's not completely cashless it's uh, it's because of uh, you know scarcity and all of that mm. stuff but pre- could you briefly tell our listeners uh, how zimbabwe and its people have found themselves operating in this non-cash environment okay i i'd basically say that uh, the whole cashless thing uh, it came as an accident. I should put it uh, this way, because you know, first with the leak, uh, first with the cash problems, you know, banks couldn't really give people money. Yeah. So people had to were getting fifty US dollars a week, twenty US dollars a week. Mm. So definitely there was need for for money. Yeah. So that's how Zimbabweans actually found themselves in this whole cashless thing. So there was need for mobile money mm. for plastic money to be embraced so as to alleviate uh such problems yeah yes and so right now what are some of the ways in which uh, zimbabweans are transacting using these mobile platforms how are they on a daily basis what's mm. actually going on so um, thanks uh thanks to Econet Wireless though and a whole lot of uh network providers yeah. they've actually managed to come up with uh mobile money yeah. Right. So you can basically transact using your mobile or mobile phone, right, to make payments at any uh, at the local supermarkets, and you get to make uh, payments everywhere, right? You also get to send money through those platforms, and as well, Zimbabwe, Zimbabwean banks have embraced the use of plastic money as well. Yeah. Because you know, of late, people would really go and withdraw money from the banks, but no banks have started giving people more of plastic cards right so people are basically swiping transacting using electronic um electronic swipe uh, machines everywhere yeah, yeah. I, i'm now i'm from zimbabwe mm. you know so i also understand you know some of the dynamics but from your point of view have you seen any advantages because i think mm. when the when the situation started uh we all you were talking earlier about the fact yeah. that a person could only access 50 dollars at uh, at the bank 50 dollars mm-hmm. i think given prevalent exchange rates you're looking at around 600 rand a week and you can't get any more physical cash you know yes. be be Beyond that point, are there any actual advantages? No, there are like a whole lot of advantages attached to plastic money and also to uh, cashless or uh, digital platforms. You know, yeah, because we've actually seen that okay, this is uh, much more safer. Yeah, 
you know, considering that, you know, even to walk around with money itself, <laughs> security risk, you get it. Yeah. You get to attract a, a whole lot of things, right? So also checking in Zimbabwe, I think there was an increase of the black market money, you yeah. know, since there wasn't money, uh, uh, money circulating around, you know, so there was like this black market people who actually started selling money on the streets. Yeah. So with this cashless or digital thing, it actually decreases illegal cash flows, right? Yeah. You get it. So more people are now getting to swipe. Yeah. It's now like banks are now controlling everything. People can't really have money on the streets being sold there. So I think that's one of the advantages. And it's actually convenient, man. <laughs> Imagine having to go and stand in long queues, yeah. you know, then you can actually swipe. You can actually send money through your mobile phone. So it's very convenient, you know. Yeah. And it also serves, I, I feel like it also gets to serve uh, government's money to some extent. Yeah. Imagine the cost of having to produce coins, having to produce money, paper notes. Oh, yeah, yeah, true. I feel true. like that's a whole lot of expense for the government. Yeah. And, you know, impressing mobile money just isn't everything. Yeah. I also find that one of the advantages of um, operating on a digi- on a digital basis, especially your you you mentioned mobile payments. That's usually using uh, Net One's One Wallet or EcoCash's yeah, EcoCash, EcoCash yes. um, uh, bank trans uh, bank swiping cards. Yeah. I think one of the biggest advantages I find is um, how can I put this? There's a record. Yeah, there's a record. Oh, yes. If you swipe, there's an actual record in your bank that actually shows that mm. you swipe this money. Like Unlike cash, cash mm. is untraceable, right? Whereas mm. uh, with digital payments um, or swiping and mobile money, there's an actual... If you use EcoCash, you get that text which yes. says that Ngoni has paid Muliwa. And, that's you know, an amount. Mm. Yes. Like what I was saying, that uh, it actually then makes sure that legal transactions... Uh, are sorted out. Yeah. Because, you know, like, as I was saying, you know, in Zimbabwe, you find a whole lot of black markets and all, <laughs> people selling cash. So imagine then once um, you use digital money, yeah, these are transactions that can be actually checked out yeah. now and again. So it's quite convenient. It actually then serves up, you know, those other businesses, those legitimate businesses that we run in. Yeah. You see, so it actually served them a great deal. You know. Do you think there are any disadvantages? Yeah, I feel like there are a whole lot of disadvantages with um, plastic money and yeah. our cashless, you know, digital platforms. Yeah, let's not forget that um, countries like Zimbabwe have a large rural population. Yeah. So the question is, how many how many people own phones, eh? Yes. So imagine then about those grannies and grandpas in the rural areas. Yes. How they they wanna transact as well. They want to buy things yeah. on a daily basis. But I'm pretty sure most of them do not own cell phones. Yeah. So that's the only drawback that Africa has in fact. Yeah. When it comes to cashless um cashless uh methods of of transacting. Uh-huh. Then the other uh disadvantages, you know, I think with plastic money or mobile money, people tend to overspend. Because <laughs> yeah, it's true. Because it's, it's not physically. It's leaving. not physical. Because yeah. if only you had money in your pocket, you could see it actually, like yeah. getting out of your pocket, and you can actually check how much money has left your pocket. But imagine then with physical money, you don't really have like you are not seeing the money going out. Yeah, basically. So you tend to overspend. You tend to overspend as well. So I feel like. That's one of those. Those are the two disadvantages that are actually experienced. Okay, and then last question because mm-hmm. we are out of time. Do you think that other countries, because in Zim it has, it's it's a situation that's sort of been forced on us, yes. right? But in countries like uh, South Africa and the rest of the world, Africa as a whole, mm-hmm. do you think people should embrace a cashless society, or should there be a balance between the two? I feel like. Um, people should uh, get to embrace cashless societies because they're like they have a whole lot of advantages and disadvantages yeah. i was telling you especially in countries like south africa where there's like high crime yeah so imagine then you're using plastic money it's much more safer yeah you see then it's much more convenient instead of 
Yeah, sort of decongesting banks. Yeah, you don't have to go far to get your money and everything. Yeah. So I feel like this is the way the way to go, man. Mm. Definitely, uh, it's high time that Africa and everywhere start to embrace, you know, cash, um, cash, cashless transac- transactions. Okay. Yeah. Thank you so much. That was us. We are in studio. We're talking to a young man, Gonizashi Tutai, who is a third-year BA law student about the Zimbabwean experience of operating in a cashless environment. Interesting thoughts coming through from there. Otherwise, we're going to be ending our show on the other side of this. The, the Business Buzz. Interesting show coming through right here. We were talking about cashless societies, how to operate in a digital environment where we, where you don't have to be physically dishing out cash for you to transact on a daily basis and in life. Uh, we started off the show uh, by talking to uh, Farai Moronda, who is the head of financial inclusion program with Finmark Trust. And then after that, we spoke to uh, the head of analytics at FNB, uh, that's Dr. Siatharam. And then we've just come from talking to to tie about his experience in Zimbabwe operating in a cashless environment. I honestly think that um, people need to find a way to draw a balance between the two. Uh, in some cases, there are certain transactions that I think to this day are just better served with using physical cash. So, for example, if you are in a taxi, why should you be going through some type of... Um, um, some type of uh, an, an app for you to pay for a taxi that's going sort of let's say from Bramfontein into Hillbrow for six rand because chances are the transaction cost for that transaction is going to be more than the six rand in some cases it's just not economical if uh, taxis for example were to implement a system like the one that goes on with the how train bus where you just swipe your card inside the how bus that would make sense but the how bus is one rand if you're just coming off the train you know so you know these are just some of the considerations the other thing is i think it's always good to have an option right rather have an option than be forced because as a person who comes from zimbabwe i can definitely say that it's very convenient to operate in a cashless environment we listed some of the uh, advantages earlier on in our conversation with ngoni the biggest one just being traceability and accountability you know exactly where your money is going and you know exactly where your money came from right but there are just certain cases where you need that physical cash for some of the examples that i've just used Otherwise, that's it for the show for today. Um, tell us what your thoughts are on this particular um, case um, um, case in point. Uh, tell us if you would embrace such a lifestyle or if you've uh, experienced a life uh, where you can operate in that cashless environment. I would actually say that in South Africa, if a person really tried hard enough and they used certain avenues for transport, certain places for entertainment and certain uh, shops and certain services for payments that a person could operate in a cashless environment if they wanted to. Tell us what you think on Facebook. We have Val FM uh, or Voice of Vits. And uh, you can also find our Facebook page. That's The Business Bus. On Twitter, we're at Val FM. That's uh, hashtag Business Bus. And then on WhatsApp, we're 0840784912. You can also stream the station live. That's valfm.co.za. And you can find podcasts of The Business Bus show on vits.journalism.co.za. And then with that, we've reached the end of tonight's show. Uh, thank you to our amazing team, our executive producer, Elna Schutz, and then our production team, that's Musa Maluleka, Lengwe uh, Zondo, and Lerato Mapela, with our technical production being done by Kutluano Serame. Don't miss the business buzz, same time, same place, next week for more insight into the world of business. On the other side of this, uh, there is Life Beats with Diema and Obongi. Before I go, let me just say that uh, the business buzz show uh, we are happy to say that we've been nominated for a liberty radio award uh, thank you to everyone who's been on the show thank you to everyone who's been listening and supporting our show for myself mudio mob justice gavaza and the rest of the team it's good evening and take care mob justice on the business buzz Listen to the Business Buzz every Thursday from 6 to 7 p.m. Only on VowFM. Listen to the Business Buzz podcast on www.journalism.co.za.